Hi, this is Lar Park Lincoln, Tina from Friday the 13th, Part 7, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. We're zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank everyone who's been listening. And we have another exciting special guest on the show tonight. With over 40 years in show business, this Dallas-born star has an impressive list of acting credits to her name. Most known for Tina Shepard in Friday the 13th, Part 7, she's also starred in Knott's Landing, Freddy's Nightmares, and Beverly Hills 90210, among many others. Laura is an author and now runs her own acting studio. Please welcome Laura Park Lincoln to the show. How are you today, ma'am? I am great, sitting sitting alone, but doing great. Thank you. How are you guys? Doing good, doing very right. good. Hanging in there. <laughs> All these handsome boys I get to talk to today. Well, thank you oh. very much. You know, flattery will get you everywhere on this okay. show. Just I'll out. try some more. <laughs> uh, well, we have some questions for you if you're uh, if you're not busy today. You bet. Let's play. <laughs> so. Um, You've had many, many roles, obviously, throughout your career, but uh, obviously Friday the 13th Part 7 is one of your most popular ones. Can you tell us uh, how you got the role of Tina, and um, were you a fan of the Friday series beforehand? Super fan. Are you kidding? Awesome. Love okay, great. <laughs> Super fan. Uh, I like scary and and more, um, oh, I don't know, what would you call it? Not, not usually the blood and guts and horror, but I was a Jason fan for sure. And I got the audition. It, it just came to me through the regular actor way. It went to my agent and it went to my manager. And it was just the process of them seeing everyone there is to see. It was a, a wide open general call. And I had to zip over to the casting office and, and shoot it in person with John Beekler and the casting director, Anthony Barneo. So that was really fun. I didn't know John, of course. I hadn't hadn't met him before. And the office was really small. It was two chairs over there, his desk, and a chair that I was in. And, you know, I, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of actors, and they've probably told you how they always pick the most dramatic scene for us to do on auditions. And they did. It was like running through and then talking to Dr. Cruz. And in my mind, I had to imagine all of these things happening in this little tiny office, which was great fun. I loved it. That's awesome. And I was very lucky that I got to read for it again. <laughs> so you were also a part of the very popular show, Knott's Landing. Can you tell us about your experience with that and how that came to be? Yes, that, oh gosh, that was so near and dear to my heart. Um, I love Not Slanting. I was also a fan of it before I got that show. That's awesome. So it was like my my uh, years of acting, I've gotten to just live through characters and on shows that I personally loved. So when Not Slanting came up, it was originally for me to play a character that Donna Mills played she played a, a character named Abby to play her in flashback, the, the blue eyed blonde, you know, girl from from the past. And it was a two episode right. show. 
And I went in to read for that. And I sat in a room with hundreds of blue eyed blondes. It was like, we all looked exactly the same, like is common for actors. And I went in and read it and they said, would you mind just stepping into that room and read that scene and come back and read that scene for us? I'm like, Oh, sure. And I went out to read it and I stepped into a room of five foot nine brunettes instead of five foot four blondes. I'm like, Hmm. So I looked at the script and it was long and it was really fun, but I had, no time. I had to go right back in there with it. And that's how I got the character of Linda Fairgate. I fit her better. So they wigged me brunette in the first few, um, in the first couple of episodes <laughs> so that I would look more like Michelle Lee. So that was super fun. And awesome. played. I actually played two characters on Knott's Landing. But most people only know about one. Um, the other one was a mystery woman and you only saw my body for, um, eight episodes. So it's fun. I got two credits on a fun nighttime show. That's awesome. That's awesome. So much fun. So, uh, we've had Kane Hodder and Adam Marcus both on this show and both have talked about this new project 13 fanboy that, you know, all the Friday, all the Friday alumni are involved with. Um, can you tell us anything about your involvement? I know you can't tell us too much, but maybe summarize the project again a little bit for those who don't know. Absolutely. That, oh my gosh. So we finished shooting it. I think they finished CJ in January and he was in the last group to shoot. Um, So I did mine last summer in New Mexico. And when I first started talking to Deborah, the director, uh, about the role, it was a great role and I loved it. But the more I talked with her, the more she kept adding more and more storylines to my character, which I really loved, of course, because I'm an actor. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And um, my... I wanted to do the project because I liked the idea of it. I had a stalker for six years who was actually living in my attic and who shot at me in my house at one point. What? And wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Oh, crazy. Wow. I know. Lived in the attic above my bedroom and um, really crazy stuff. But finally ended his, his shooting at me, ended his reign of stalking ridiculousness and so I know I liked the idea of doing it and so when the character when the character that I'm playing who is a glamorized version of myself you know we're all kind of alter ego versions of our real selves and she's she is kidnapped and what was interesting is um she's held in like a boiler room basement and it was really dirty. It was a real awful basement. I was covered in black soot and um, it was really intense. And what Deborah let me do was she let me as a character lose my mind being held in solitary in a boiler room. It's like I'm in solitary now, but it's not a dark boiler room. So I'm, I, I hope I don't lose my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking of it. But yeah, that was really cool because she was an actress too. So she let me kind of really dig deep uh, much more than I thought she'd let me do. So I haven't, I've only seen a piece of it, the trailer. I haven't seen the, the all the scenes yet, but looking forward to it. We are definitely looking forward to that yeah, as well. We are too. She did a great job. Did y'all see the trailer? Uh, yes. Yes, we did. It, it looks, it looks like high quality, you know, yeah. like it had a big budget, even though I know it didn't. Yeah. I think it was small budget, but because right. um, she had, uh, I mean, she still had a lot of, of costs because she did it with the union contract but oh my gosh it looks so good on camera they did yes, such a good job yeah, you yeah. know when they're working that hard and doing that good of a job it makes it easier for us to bring stuff to life you know because of course we're all concerned about hmm, it's not a, a big budget so how will we do 
you know, in addition to Friday the 13th, a lot of people may not know that you were also in House 2 and in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Freddy's Nightmares. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's pretty cool that you can say you're a part of both franchises. I know! That's really cool. fun is that? It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I get to wake up every day and, and know that I've gotten to be in some of my favorite shows, <laughs> um, which is really cool, really cool. And I love that about fan conventions because you get to meet people who just love seeing the work you've done and they're just so complimentary and it just, it's, I mean, who gets to do that in their regular job? Right? Absolutely. So <laughs> pretty grateful for that. Um, house two was, um, again, these were all, um, I was offered Freddy's nightmares. I didn't audition for that one, but, uh, house two was a general audition call through, through the mainstream actors things. And when I got that role, I dyed my hair brown. I thought, oh, I'll look very different in every show and I'll just dye my hair brown and no one will know it's me. It was so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the things we do. When Friday the 13th premiered, I wore these really big brown glasses that were ridiculous and of course, it didn't, <laughs> didn't hide anything. I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, House 2 was super fun. I loved House 1 so much. And House 2 was a bit more of a comedy than it was frightful. Right. But we had really good actors in it, and it was fun. I do like playing bitchy characters. I've mastered <laughs> that. So. Um, Friday, uh, Friday's, Friday's Nightmares, oh, I loved it so much. I became good friends with uh, Tom McLaughlin, the director, and his wife, Nancy. Um, lovely people, really lovely. Uh, Nancy made me a great Freddy's Nightmares um, necklace. She made it by hand, uh, not Freddy's Nightmares, Jason mask that I wear all the time at the conventions. She's very creative. And that show was especially fun but difficult because the the show was set up that the, it was a one hour show, but each of the 30 minute segments could play on their own. And then they played as a show all together, which right. was a really neat idea at the time. And um, my character had to have her mouth sewn shut. Um, in a nightmare right. surgery. <laughs> so the way we did that, uh, I was if I had known before, I probably would have been really scared because they <laughs> used, I would have, seriously. Yeah. Um, they used spirit gum to tape my mouth shut really tight and then put fake stitches, crazy stitches all over it. And then they mounted the big camera over me laying down. So I was looking up at it. And the one thing I remember right before shooting was Tom goes, oh, um, you know, we can't get you out very fast. So don't bar for anything because you could choke. And I'm oh like, gosh. I couldn't respond because my mouth was shut. And my eyes was like, are you kidding? You know, and there's a <laughs> two-ton camera on top of me. It was the whole big setup. So that was really creepy. Uh, my mouth was shut for a really long time. <laughs> Not good wow. for actors. Mm -mm. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> wow, that's a that's awesome. Uh, back to your role as Tina in Part Seven, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Your character survives, and you went head to head, and you defeated Jason. Yes. And I also hear that you were offered a role in Part Eight, but didn't do it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You bet, absolutely. Well, you know, Friday Thirteenth had a um, um, had a, a system where they would bring the, the final girl back in the next episode, but then they'd kill her off in a few minutes, right? Right, right, right. And Paramount would not let me read the script for part mm -hmm. eight. And okay. so because they wouldn't let us read the script, I 
was concerned about killing Tina off. And when I did the first one, I said, okay, she cannot die. This character has to continue on in the future. And so when they offered it to me and then they refused to let me read the script and they refused to have a discussion about it. And then they come in offering, you know, more money than you've seen as a, as an actor in, in your lifetime. It was really hard. I mean, it was so hard. So I had to pass on it. And I actually went in and pitched a script that I wrote for part eight. Oh, and I actually, I actually pitched, of course they didn't want it. They decided to do the Manhattan. Okay. Whatever. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Just like, that's when I stopped. I'm just like, Oh, please. No, please. So I went to Yugoslavia and shot the princess Academy and they shot part eight and, um, and we know where that went, but, um, yeah, I really wanted to be sure that Tina continued on. I thought that that was really important to keep her character going. And 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 I'm happy I made that decision. I am. Recently, I was, when COVID all started, uh, I had my assistant and her boy over, and we were cleaning out all of the studio stuff. And I found on a big shelf, I found a big stack of all my scripts and a lot of Hollywood stuff. And I opened it and looked in it. And I went, oh, my gosh, I opened it. And there's this old envelope, kind of opened, kind of torn. And it had my original part eight script in it with the Writers Guild number on it for when I went to pitch it at Paramount. It had the typed version and the handwritten version. So I thought after this is over, I'll do an unboxing of that actual piece. Because I stopped looking at it. I'm like, no, this is too good. Let's look at it as we unfold it but um i titled it tina's revenge or something like that so so fun (laughs) is there anything you can tell us about that script because i'm very very curious about it now same (laughs) well it has morphed over time that particular one was i was doing it just a couple of years after the the part seven ended so i had tina um growing up growing up a little bit and then going back and trying to convince people that it had not happened, uh, falling in love and marrying the character that Kevin Blair played, now Kevin Spiritus, that he played the boyfriend, and seeing where that developed. And there's a whole lot of kills in that. Um, my husband worked with me on it, and we just created all kinds of stuff. And I didn't read all of those again, so I haven't read that in like you know 30 years. But then I wrote another uh, script for Tina with John Beekler. We were working on it. You know, he was our director. Right. And we were working on one to bring Tina back. And we had a couple of ideas between the two of us. The one that I really want to do is to bring Tina back as an adult, an an older adult, who is also a psychiatrist now today. And she had married the character of Kevin Blair. And, of course, they divorced because that's where that had to go. But that Tina has a daughter who has the powers. Mm. And she and the daughter don't get along at all. But they're they're called together to fight Jason together. So he would fight two foes from the, the same family line. So it's pretty cool. And it would be bringing back some of the actors as they had aged up with their children and stuff. So I thought it was a pretty good storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. John wanted to take it kind of because, you you know, it's very difficult to deal with Paramount and New Line and all of them. I don't yeah. know why. But he wanted to take it since you can't use the actual all the same stuff. But he kind of wanted to take it like a offset of 
the original for whatever we could do. But yeah, especially so, with all that lawsuit and everything going on, I imagine that is difficult. Yeah. Especially now. Who would have thought, right? Right. <clears throat> so, so in part seven, your character was originally based on Carrie. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. How did you create a different yet fully developed character arc during the film? That, that was, it, is very. You did an, a, is a great job of you know nodding to the original idea, but you definitely had your own take on it. So I'm curious as to how that came to be. Well, thank you. That was a definitely um, an effort uh, because it was Carrie originally. It really was. They simply right. couldn't get all of the franchises to agree to work together. Right. And thank goodness to me. So like, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I was so thrilled. So. Carrie was um, very much a mentally abused young teen. And right. so her whole world was based on that pseudo religious kind of um, what would you call it when you're trying to hold someone down? What is that guys? What's that called? When you're, when you're making, trying to make someone conform to something when they don't know why and then they don't see what the point is. So Carrie had a lot of real um, psychological issues and she didn't feel like she was pretty, you know, she'd always been told she wasn't pretty. So she had a lot of self-esteem wrapped up in that character of Tina didn't have the self-esteem. It wasn't, wasn't like she had grown through not developing into a pretty young teenager. She didn't even think of it. All she dealt with was how did her father, how did they end up in the situation? And it did really happen where where he came up and she you know basically murdered the father that type of a thing she was so angry so she was dealing with the guilt and shame of being so angry that it destroyed her family so those were really different and she also had been in a mental institution for a while so her perception of things in the real world were off that's why at the party when she's with the other kids and different things she doesn't fit in in any way she can't just find a way to fit in so I wanted her to feel isolated and I wanted to play her as if her um, even though she had the psychic abilities I didn't want it to be like goofy psychic like oh you know that kind of thing I wanted it to be more like she was seeing it and other people weren't so it was more the mental trauma of what she was going through so that's what I was trying to accomplish. Your character had a lot of emotional moments throughout the film. And that, you know, coupled with the very short window you had for the shoot, was it a difficult film to act in from your point of view as an actress? Well, it was a blast to act in, but honestly, it was a very difficult shoot. We had very limited amount of time in the studio, and then we moved out to the, um, to the exteriors in Alabama. And then we went back uh, a while later and reshot on the side of a freeway in L.A., me running through and seeing more bodies. So that was a pickup shot quite a bit later. I mean, I want to say it was like a month later or more. I mean, I was just really glad we hadn't all changed our looks at that point. Of course, everybody else was dead, so they could look dead. But <laughs> right. Now that I think of it, I hadn't thought of that. Everybody else was dead but me. Um, so the shoot itself was, uh, inside a, uh, like a, a soundstage in South Los Angeles, far South Los Angeles, really creepy area and far from our houses. So I was driving about an hour and a half, two hours a day each way that can make you pretty tired when you've shot for 12 or 16 hours, but no complaints. It's just the character of Tina had so many emotional arcs and I didn't want her to just I didn't want her to come on the scene and start crying and cry through the entire movie. 
That wasn't my goal. But as actors, we're not in charge of editing or how they put it all together at the end. So all we can do is is do our best job of giving levels and hope they have an editor that will put it together and, and make us look like we've done our work. And so what was hard for me was shooting continual hysterical crying scenes but making sure they weren't all the same hysteria crying. So I had a long chart of where I had Tina in each scene, which level of crying and what kind of crying. Was it emotional or anger or frustration? And trying to make all of those work. So um, I had a lot of migraines shooting that because yeah. <laughs> it was just a lot of emotional work. But, you know, that was the show. So I was thrilled to get to try to do it. Well, it was absolutely it was absolutely great acting, so you did a great job. I'm sorry you had migraines, but it looked really good on screen. You did a really Thank good job. You. Yes, they were worth it. Thank you very much. <laughs> so fa fast forwarding to today, um, you own your own acting studio, Actors yeah. Audition Studios, right. um, coaching, mentoring actors. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I, I never planned to do that in my whole career, but I was always coaching people once I was like in my 20s. I started coaching people. I love auditioning. So that's an easy part of the business for me where it's hard for a lot of other people. They may be really talented, but they have trouble auditioning. And so as time went on, I just ended up, um, I wrote my book first, Get Started Not Scammed, hopefully to help all the people that are involved in scams that hit us uh, in the creative field, there's so many, and they distill your heart, your soul, your dreams, your money, and, um, and it's very difficult. So I wrote the book for that specifically to help new actors, and then it kind of just grew more into an actual full studio. So I focus on auditioning skills and on-camera skills. I don't I only teach film and television. I don't work in theater. It's, it's um, not my expertise. So I stay in what I know. And my goal is to get people. My goal is to help guide people that are new and to help people that have careers reinvent, restart, rejuvenate the careers they've got. So I get to work on all sides, the marketing and the talent and the training. So you also, speaking of fast forward into today, you also have a new film coming out called Expulsion. Can you tell us anything about that project? Yes, we um, shot that like over three years ago. Oh, wow. But I did get to see wow. it. The premiere was, uh, when was the premiere? I guess it was last spring. I don't know how long ago. But one of my students, Colton Tapp, you can see him on his website, coltontapp.com. He's fabulous, really fabulous. And he got... We auditioned for it, and he got, I mean, I coached him to finish, and he got the lead in that, which is playing a dual character, the good and bad side of a character in, in kind of a time warp sci-fi kind of a thing, and he booked it, and he was still a pretty new actor, so I decided I would travel with him and coach through um, the whole project, which was great. It was great, and so I, I got to play a role in it, which was fun. Um, I aged myself to play it she looks very scary that was the point and it's fun so i'm hoping that it'll, they'll release it on something soon i'm hoping so it's been winning awards at the festivals everywhere so we're happy about that um one of the things fun really oh what was i going to say um i was going to tell you something about um about shooting that but it just left my mind sorry <laughs> no it's good um so <laughs> 
Talk talk a little bit about Assassin 33 AD. You know, you were the personal and set coach for that. I, I know it's streaming recently on channels like Amazon Prime. Can you talk a little bit about that too? Yes, that project came to me from a director that I worked with when I shot uh, Lifetime's movie Inspector Mom. Oh, okay. And that was a fun shoot where I was playing like a busybody kind of person. And this director got uh, he started pr- he pr- producing Assassin 33 AD. And the writer was from Dallas, and it is a science fiction um, action Christian movie. So I think that that's a fun uh, genre for us today and for so many people. And it did have a limited theater release in Dallas a couple of months ago, and then they, they opened it on streaming for this Easter weekend, which is great. And when I was first brought into it, it was to coach one actor, and his name is Jason Castro. He was on American Idol fabulous uh, performer and singer, but he had never acted before. Okay. And he was the perfect Jesus. I mean, he was <laughs> perfect. And so I was coaching Jesus and it was, oh, it was so crazy, but we had such great results. And so then they asked me to coach another one of the actors. And then it was, can you just coach everybody on the set and be there every day? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. That's a lot of characters. But we did it. It was I think they did a great job with it. It's it's kind of hard to follow because it has so many time continuums. So you have to really be completely sober and sit there watching it with <laughs> with a with a with the manner of, OK, I'm going to watch this and try to keep up with everybody in these different time zones, which is fun. So, That's so awesome. I might like it. Coach Jesus, I don't know, you know, if I feel worthy enough to even ask these last questions. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And I was just like, I would call my son a few times. He was a youth minister. And I would say, what was this actual story? Because I'm a little confused. <laughs> and he'd go, oh. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that one. But we shot it out in a in this big open area that was 112 degrees in Texas, which is really hot. Yes. And, and it was crazy. But I'm glad I did it. I really am. It was really fun to not be on the on the screen. Right. And doing it from this side. <laughs> so. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? You talked about actors on Distant Studios. Where can people find more information on that? Well, that's pretty easy. You can just go to actorsauditionstudios.com. Awesome. Um, you can also look Lar, my name, Lar Park Lincoln, up pretty much anywhere, and it will lead you some way to the book and and the um and the studio because i do a lot of virtual coaching too so people don't have to be with me in la or dallas oh yeah we actually had uh the young man vince mattis he was in halloween 2018 uh-huh. he he told he told me and brian that almost all of his auditions were like via skype or online now you don't even have to travel to go audition no more so mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. It's really crazy. It's been going this direction for about 10 years, um, self-submitting and shooting. But now I would say it's more normal to do self-submit tapes than it is to go in person. And Except for commercials. Those are always in person. But film and TV, they're like I just got sent one for, uh, for me for um, NCIS. It's um, New Orleans NCIS that I have to work on. So wish me luck on that one. Oh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> a lot of dialogues. So luckily, I shot an, um, I shot a demo that's on my IMDb that, that I'm playing a 
detective FBI type. So that's what they saw. So I'm going to try to bring her back to life and see if that will work. But yeah, most of them are auditions and self tapes. That's literally what I've done all day. And I'll be right back on when we're done uh, visiting coaching actors and shooting their tapes through zoom. Great. I just wanted to give your uh, cameo a quick shout out as well. Uh, I th- I, you did an intro for us. We really appreciate that. Uh, we really thank you for uh, doing this interview with us. I really like Friday the 13th Part 7 with you and Kane Hodder. I think your character is really interesting and cool. It's different in this franchise. I like different. And I really love Kane Hodder's look in this movie. It was really awesome. Oh, the last, what, 15, 20 minutes or so where, you know, you're breaking his mask. You're hanging him, shooting him in the face with nail gun or nails, drowning him, electrocuting him. It's really entertaining to watch. I really appreciate your your role in that movie it's it's awesome we're having we we had a lot of fun with that oh i can only imagine we really thank you for joining us and we really appreciate your time today thank you so much guys try to try not to go crazy up in your house all day (laughs) hey we're shooting a little a little um a little um youtube video with all the students we're doing it through through zoom and we're calling it friday the quarantine (laughs) (laughs) nice okay i like it Thank you so much. Y'all take care. Thank you, too. Thank you. Have a good day. And I just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.